we're going to start with a little bit of uh, audience participation. Just call out the answers. How many commandments did God give us? Ten. Okay. I didn't say it was going to be a tough test. I just said, okay, ten commandments. Okay. How many commandments? It gets tougher. How many commandments did God give the Hebrews? 613. Nobody in the other two services got that. Six, oh, wait a minute. You've got the answers. Okay, 613. Okay. How many did, without looking, how many did Jesus give us? It's kind of a loaded question. The answer is kind of three, but it's really two commissions and one commandment. The two commissions are, remember me in Holy Communion and go and baptize everyone. Bring them into the family. Okay, those are two commissions. The commandment he just gave us, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. So God consolidated 613 to 10. Jesus got it down to one. I like it when Jesus makes things simple in my life. But wait a minute. We just read in the Psalms. Wait a minute. This wasn't in the script, so you won't have it in the slides. Um, 148. Um, he gave them laws, gave them the law which shall not pass away. Well, wait a minute. What about the other 612 laws? If you love as Jesus loved, you have all the others covered. If you love, then you're not going to steal or lie or cheat or kill, commit adultery, cheat, curse, covet, and so on. Love fulfills the law. Jesus said, I give you another commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. That's it. One command. How much easier can it get? But did you catch Jesus' starting words here? Let me give you a new command. Love one another is not a new command. Moses wrote, God had Moses write that down about a thousand years before this, way back in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and the whole love your neighbor as yourself thing. What's new here is that we are being commanded to love people the way that Jesus loved people. To understand just what Jesus meant here we have to read his words as they were written in Greek. In Greek now, there are seven words that we translate to love. Some of them you'll recognize. Uh, there's philia, um, as in Philadelphia. It means brotherly love. It's love for your fellow man, love for each other. Storge, which is familial love, family love. That's love for your children, love for your grandparents, and so on. Uh, and most folks know eros. Eros is passionate, romantic love. But Jesus didn't use any of those words. He used the word here, agape. Agape is unconditional, selfless, sacrificial love. This is the love that Jesus showed as he washed the disciples' feet. 
a task so lowly that a servant would cover their head so that you wouldn't know who was touching your feet. Which is why some of us, as an aside, some of us have hoods on our vestments to remind us of our perpetual servanthood. Jesus said, love one another just as I have loved you. He had just washed their feet when he told them this. Even though, even though, and he knew it, one of them was about to deny them, deny him, one was about to betray him, and then they were all about to abandon him. He loved them anyway. This, this love is the agape love he's talking about. This is agape love that he's telling us to take on. It's what Jesus would show on the cross by being the required blood sacrifice. God established that blood is required for atonement of sins. Jesus provided the blood to atone for our sins. That's the type of love he had for us. Agape is the love God wants us to have for each other. Now, this is a new command to them because in Jesus' time, the rule was an eye for an eye. Now, I always kind of chuckle a little bit. I have to chuckle because it keeps me from getting angry. I chuckle when people say something to the effect of, the good book says an eye for an eye. Yeah, well. First off, that's probably the most misquoted verse of the entire Bible. Secondly, it's always been my observation that when somebody starts a conversation to the effect of the good book says, chances are they've never read it. Anyhow, an eye for an eye says if someone harms you, you can harm them right back to the same degree that they harmed you, but no more. That's what that law meant. Jesus said you can do better than that. Jesus commands be better than that. This is a new command to us because most folks love only when they are loved. People love as a response to someone or something that benefits them, validates them, or otherwise meets their needs. Jesus called us to love like He did, unconditionally selflessly and sacrificially. Now, there are some important points to this loving others business. First, I will acknowledge loving others is challenging. Sometimes it's downright hard. There are a lot of people in the world who are not very likable, let alone lovable. The world is filled with mean, ugly, spiteful, Lying, adultering, hate-filled, hate-spewing people. And that's just here in church. Okay, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You know that I don't see you as that list that I just rattled off. I see you as loving people. No, I see you as In fact, that you are here in a loving church is testament to the fact that you are loving people. But... I want you loving people to look out the windows of our loving church. Right now, look out the windows. And tell me how many people do you see 
looking in. How many people see us loving one another? No one. Yeah. No one knows or cares that we are loving in here. We have to be loving out there. If your judgment of someone's character, your judgment about their, their physical condition, their religion, their political opinion, or their favorite college sports team, if that's keeping you from loving them, then you're doing it wrong. Love them anyway. God will sort them out later. You love them now. After all, and this part's important, after all, you may be the only light on their path to salvation. That leads us to the second point. Love is a response. It's a choice we make. Recently, I saw a letter on the internet, so you know it's real. They wouldn't put it out there otherwise. It's written by a woman to her ex-fiancé. <clears throat> Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the depth of my heartfelt sorrow and the regret I've felt since breaking off our engagement. I now realize that you are everything to me. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. Please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. Congratulations on winning the Powerball. Okay, well, that was a decision. Jesus said, just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. This new command does not tell you to love one another if you want social standing, if you want money, or for that matter, even eternal salvation, or anything else. But rather, love one another because you are loved. Love one another the way you are loved. Your response to being loved is to love others. This is not a command that somehow gets you a seat at God's table or maybe moves you up a couple of seats to someplace more important at God's table. No, no, no. Love is what's being served at God's table. At our family dinner table, I would sometimes give instructions to my children. If they didn't listen to me, which happened sometimes, a lot, I might be sad or hurt or even angry, but I didn't throw them out of the family. Their obedience doesn't make them members of the family. Their birth, adoption, and acceptance makes them part of the family. Likewise, we are members of God's family, not by what we have done, but by our birth, adoption, and acceptance. Our acceptance both by God's love and of God's love. Third point, love is not just a feeling. Love is action. Just like faith 
is not just believing. Faith is believing enough to put it into action. Agape love is not just a feeling. Agape love is loving enough, feeling enough to put it into action. Love is action with or without the warm and fuzzy part. The key to choosing to love someone else is to act lovingly. Jesus loved us without reservation. He held nothing back. There's a Celtic story, a Celtic legend that tells of an eagle swooping down and carrying off a little baby to its nest high up on the craggy cliffs of a treacherous mountain. Now, with much praise and adulation, the men of the village tried one after another to scale the high rugged cliff. But one after another, they failed. Finally, a small, frail woman crept out with no fanfare and did what no man could do. She scaled the mountain and returned the baby to safety. She was the baby's mother. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said to the crowd, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You want to know how to love people who aren't very lovable? Pray for them. The way you love your enemies is through action. Jesus didn't just preach it. He lived it. Jesus loved even the people who hated him and harmed him the most. After the crowds had mocked him, spat upon him, whipped him, screamed for his execution... Even his closest friends and followers had followed him every step for three years after they denied him, abandoned him, betrayed him. As he hung there on the cross, I cannot imagine what he was thinking, but I know what he did. He prayed, Father, forgive them. That's our model for loving one another. Actions, not feelings. Finally, love is our legacy, our testimony to the world. Jesus said, love one another. By this, you, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If people out there can't or won't look through our windows, then we have to show them agape love wherever they are. Our lives, our relationships to one another should be so dramatically different from everything that they have seen and experienced in the world that people, everyone, will be drawn into the loving relationship that is our church, into the body of Christ, by us, by you, and into a relationship with Jesus. People out there want and need the love that you've got, go give it to them. 